Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, family, and welcome back to another episode of Heart of Dating today. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and in the spirit of the holidays, I am just so joyous and grateful and pumped up that you've decided to listen to Heart of Dating today. Whether you're a new listener or whether you've been listening forever, I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you. Now, on the show today, we are addressing something that so many of you in our community have asked us about. I'm thrilled to introduce you to the amazing Brian and Lexi Cole. Now, this couple is the real deal, friends, and they are incredibly passionate about relationships. And today, we're going to dive into all of the ins and outs of being an interracial couple. I know many of you in our community have expressed some of your struggles with dating interracially, and you've asked for more guidance about how to navigate this well. So that's why I'm just so excited for you to listen to Lexi and Brian share their story, as well as some amazing nuggets of insight and wisdom about what they did along their journey. Also, I want to share with you quickly who they are and how amazing they are. Brian and Alexis Cole are a passionate couple who inspire to showcase their unique lifestyle through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. They use each of their platforms to talk about the different dynamics of their interracial marriage, spirituality, journey towards parenthood, and their love for travel. Their overall goal is to advocate for unity and love by showing what two different cultures can look like when they come together. I just love the realness of this conversation with Lexi and Brian today, and I have quite the feeling that you guys are going to as well. All right, friends. Now, I just want to quickly remind you of something about our Patreon page. A lot of you guys asked me, how can I best support Heart of Dating and what you're doing? And I just got to say, listening to this podcast, writing a review and really ranking us really helps us. So first of all, if you would do that, that would mean a lot. But if you actually also want to financially contribute to what we're doing here, you know, that would mean a lot because in 2019, I prayed and decided that I was really going to focus on Heart of Dating full time and therefore I reduced the amount of outside consulting work that I was doing. So that's what I've been doing this year and it's been wonderful, but you know, at times it's also been financially a struggle and I would honestly do this podcast for no money if God just wanted to magically get rid of all my bills, all the things, but that just isn't my reality today. So I have some expenses and if you guys feel called, if you feel it in your heart to want to support us financially, I want to just explain how you can do that via Patreon. Patreon is a platform for creators and you can go on and pledge whatever dollar amount that you want to help us, whether it's a dollar, $5, $10, $100, whatever your heart's desires, whatever you feel comfortable with, you can decide what you want to pledge. And each month it comes out of your account at the same day, the beginning of the month. So if you feel called to do this, you can go to patreon.com forward slash heart of dating and contribute to what we have going on there. All right. So that's it for my quick announcement. Now I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this amazing interview with Brian and Alexis Cole. All right, Lexi and Brian Cole, welcome to the heart of dating podcast today, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I love having couples on the show. It's so much fun. And <laughs> it was just awesome to kind of connect with you guys. Lexi, I know you and I connected a few weeks ago over the phone, and it was awesome to have a conversation. And I'm so glad that I got introduced to you, to you guys through basically Instagram. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, really, it was really cool talking to you. I was so shocked that I've never heard of the podcast, I actually started listening to it a little bit. You are awesome. And you have so much energy. Thanks, girl. <laughs> well, you guys are awesome too. And actually, you know, thanks to the people listening to Heart of Dating, because I found out about you guys also through the people who listen to this podcast. So thanks to all the Heart of Dating listeners. Um, but, you know, you guys have a really awesome and unique testimony and story. But before we even get into that, would you just kind of let us know for the people who haven't heard of you before, who 
are Lexi and Brian Cole. Who are you guys and what do you do? Oh, you want to start? Well, long, oh, long story short, we are YouTubers slash influencers. We started YouTube, I want to say, how long? Since February? February, what is, yeah. Was it seven months ago? Wow. Yeah. So we started that seven months ago. And honestly, God told us, I want to say a couple of years ago, to just start talking about a lot of our um, testimonies, a lot of mm. our story. And just, I wanted to bring more people together to share, not just from a inter-ethnic standpoint of our relationship, but just us getting married young and dealing with some of the issues we deal with just as Christians and all mm. of that. And my friend actually gave us the idea of starting a YouTube about two years ago. And we never thought we would actually do it because I was like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> don't no. want to do YouTube. What? And sure enough, uh, my friend, another friend of mine, I told that I wanted to do it, actually came to our house and brought a camera over and was like, we're doing this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That was, that was like my worst nightmare in life. I, I did not want to do it and at first. And I was very apprehensive, but Lexi, hey, Le- Lexi trumped me because she said, well, I believe this is from God. And I was like, oh, that, well, okay, well, I can't fight that. And so um, we're going to do <laughs> you this. You pulled the, car, the God card like, out, Lexi. Oh, man, she girl. It me. So, no, it, it's been amazing. I think we're still trying to get used to the fact that people have heard us that we've never met before. It's, it's still a, yes. a different dynamic that we're getting used to, but it's, it's brought us together with a lot of amazing people and mm. it's just been a fun journey. So, uh, outside of YouTube, um, I am I work for an HR technology company, and I manage our top partnerships across the Midwest region. It's been an amazing journey with that, with my career there. Um, I also uh, started a real estate investment organization, so that's like what we do on the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lexi is in freelance photography. She's incredible <laughs> and um, takes amazing photos, and she loves the creative side. So she's the creative one of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're creative in different ways, but yeah. <laughs> and then also we are currently pregnant yes! right now. Thank you. I We are, what, 18 weeks right yep, now? Yep. Yeah. So we oh, are 18 weeks. So exciting, you guys. Oh, what my going gosh. On? Yes. This is your first child. Yeah. Numero uno. Numero uno. I love it. Oh, my gosh. You're going to add. <laughs> oh, man. That'll be fun to even start doing some videos on like what that adds to the mix of your life and oh, your dynamic. My goodness. Yeah. We've yes. got a couple coming up that are yeah, gender <laughs> showing re- the behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gender reveal is next week. And. And then oh in between God. all that, we're also building a house. So it's a lot of stuff happening this year. I feel like that's just what happens sometimes. Like you get married and then once you have a baby, you're like baby and house. I see it with so many of my friends. It's like, oh, now we got to get everything together. And so it all is happening at once. You like, you start a new venture, you have a house, you're building a house, you're growing a baby, you know? And it's like, right, all right. this fresh newness. 2020. It's awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you guys and I'm so thankful that you guys exist because I just think it's so awesome when Christian couples step up to really share like, hey, these are the struggles we've been through or here are some of the dynamics that we've gone through, you know, getting married younger or just dating as an interracial couple. And so I'm really excited to dive into some of that with you guys today. And so I think I'd just love to start the story with or start our time together with talking about like what is your story, you guys? How did you meet? Tell us all the things and, and what that was like at the beginning of your dating relationship. All right. So we're going to condense the super long version down <laughs> for you because you know, we don't want it to be three hours. But <laughs> the, the shorter of the versions of stories is that my best friend, we were, what, 17, 18? It was the summer before we went to college. And uh, my best friend at the time was dating her best friend at the time. <laughs> and we kind of just uh, became cool, I guess, is that like, like cordial, yeah, however you okay. want to like, like very, very little interaction with each other, but just kind of happened to be around the same circle of friends more than okay. once. And then long story short, I go off to college, she goes off to college. Somehow, some way we reconnect <laughs> that, that apparently there's some controversy on. Yeah, I heard about this controversy. I heard that there was some level of it happened through Facebook. Is this true? There is a yes. minor level of it happened through Facebook. Listen, listen, okay. This is this is the truth, okay? The truth is we were I think we were cordial. We knew each other before Facebook. We knew each other before. Yeah. But 
Let's, let's I, make, for, for all of those listening who didn't catch that, let's say that again. I knew her before. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> he knew me before. What he said was right. We were cordial. And then after being cordial, it's like, when I mean cordial, we mean like, hey, bye. <laughs> like, okay, bye. Cool. Like, you know How you doing the other good? person exists, but you're not even yeah, sure like what exactly. their name is. Oh, that's, that's his friend or that's her friend. Like, yes, that's, right. that's how we knew each other. But <laughs> randomly on Facebook, and we I literally have the messages saved on my phone because I didn't want to lose them. <laughs> he just says, what's up in Lexi? <laughs> Oh God, wait, why'd you have to say that? Okay, let's all, folks, let's keep this in mind here. Um, I was 18 years old. There's a lot that has changed since then. My eyes have been open. Got to show me the light. That is a great pickup line for all men out there. What's oh no, whoa, 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 oh, not a pickup line. Let, let's clarify this. In all actuality, I, I hit her up on Facebook because I didn't even have her number, I don't think at the time. Um, and, and it was just because like, we found that our circles are hanging out more. I had questions I was asking her about randomly. I don't even remember what it was, an event that was coming up that we were both going to be at or something. And we kind of just reconnected, got to talking. And when we finally saw each other again, uh, like a month or two later, we just became very close and we became yeah. really great friends. Uh, mm -hmm. after that, like we really started to develop a friendship. We spent a lot of time together consistently and from that friendship, probably about what a year later, we started mm -hmm. actually catching some feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian was catching feelings a little like early, and I was, and I told him, I said, if you're trying to catch some feelings, there needs to be a name to these feelings. <laughs> yes, you did, girl. Look at you. I love it. Well, and, and it was it was hard because so as friends, God told us uh, in in like separately at the same time though, God told us that. Uh, you're not supposed to be dating right now. So just go a period of time, you know, to understand who we are as individuals and identity and all that good stuff. So we're kind of in this weird phase now where, where God's told us to not date, but then we started catching feelings for each other. So it was just an interesting time in life where we're trying to navigate those waters and, you know, yeah. I and how people. old were you too? Like you were in college? Yeah, we were 19. 19. Uh, 19. Okay, that totally makes sense. I mean, not that you can't date necessarily at 19, but totally makes sense where you're feeling like maybe not like needing to date right this second. Got to figure out my life and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, I love it. So you guys met, you started forming feelings after a year, and then you started dating? Is that is that kind of how it went? <laughs> yeah, we were legit best friends for, you know, probably like a little bit over a year. Yeah. And then we started dating. And he, there's this beautiful way of how he asked me to be his girlfriend, but we can't go into all of that. Oh my gosh. Well, I love it, you guys. This is so cool. So love just the way you met, how you, all of it. And I know that like in your dating relationship, something that's really unique for you guys is just dating as an interracial couple. And, you know, our Heart of Dating community has brought this up quite a number of times. That's why I was so thrilled to be introduced to you both because I was like, yay, an awesome epic couple, Christian couple <laughs> who can talk about this and understand the relevance of it too, even, you know, today, because dating today in this century is a little bit different, you know, than some people sure. um, have been married for like 20 plus years. So um, now I, so so I know interracial dating has been something that, you know, you guys have walked and dealt with together as a couple and that you also feel passionate about talking about. So I'd love to kind of ask you about as you entered into that dating relationship, what did it look like being together as an interracial couple while, you know, growing up in different kind of cultures? If you just kind of led us into that world a little bit, I'd love to kind of enter that with you. Yeah. So, and I'll say this, honestly, a quick disclaimer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we are the type of people that are just very blunt and honest and open about things like this because yeah. we feel like the con the conversation around race and, you know, having that discussion, especially between African-American and Caucasian, that, that there, it's a taboo conversation that people shy away from a lot of times. There's yeah. a lot of awkwardness and, you know, people trying to not step on thin ice and all of that. We, we, we kind of dive head at first into those yeah. conversations because <laughs> we see that it's not being talked about. And so we're, we're very honest and, and real behind the, the hurt and the pain that comes between those yeah. two cultures and how we deal with that. So yeah, that, that's kind of our philosophy <laughs> in this conversation, that. but I'll let Lexi kick that one off. <laughs> <laughs> 
the real about our relationship is that we had to go through a lot of conversation. We, our dating relationship was not this beautiful fairy tale of like, oh my gosh, you just like complete me. You know, it was give me, oh my gosh. It was not like that. Um, We had to talk about a lot of issues. And part of that is because, um, and I'll let Brian share his side, but the way that I was, I grew up was the way that I grew up was really trying to understand my history, my ancestors. I know a lot about who I am, which I think everybody should. And so when we're talking about my culture, I would ask Brian questions. I would, you know, see where his head was. And honestly, in the beginning of the relationship, I didn't, I would say when we were friends, I didn't really push how I felt about things Mm. because you kind of, you know, you kind of like the guy and you're thinking like, okay, well, you know, start something. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, I try, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to be a difficult, you know, angry black woman, quote unquote. (laughs) So I just kind of let things slide. And as we got into a more serious relationship, I'm like, okay, we need to start talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was tough for me, especially when we started to get to that point, because a little bit of my background, uh, you know, I I grew up around a lot of African-American individuals, both through the church setting, um, but just in general in life. And so for me, it was it was this weird point of growing up where I almost wore it as a badge of honor, like quote unquote, I get black people, you know, like it it was my thing. Like I understand the struggle. I understand racism against an African-American in in America. And I Mm -hmm. I understand this and that, like I almost wore it as a badge of honor. And so when Lexi and I started to have some very serious conversations, I, there was a wall that I had to hit in my own personal life of understanding that maybe I don't actually get it. Mm -hmm. Maybe what I thought I got wasn't actually the full story. And when we began to have those conversations, there was a real difficult point for me where I had to just make a decision of, am I going to continue ignorantly walking around thinking that I understand and empathize and know all of what she goes through and what the struggle is and pretend like I have all the answers? Or am I actually going to be willing to let my pride down and say that all this time I could have been wrong? Mm-hmm. And, and that was hard for me. So once that that point, that whole shift point, that transition point with me and my own personal self, that was when we had the heaviest conversations, I would say, mm-hmm. that yeah. that was the, the biggest um, friction point between us because I was still working on my own defensiveness mm-hmm. and I was still working on my own internalization of what does that mean? If I admit that I'm wrong, I'm not just admitting I'm wrong in one conversation. I'm admitting I've been wrong for the wow. last 20 years. Yeah. And that was a difficult point for me. And I would also, I would also say for, for me as um, a black person talking to and wanting to have another white person understand, it was almost like, the truth is we don't want to have these conversations. Yeah, (laughs) They're difficult. They're hard. They're hard. They're hard conversations. I I feel there's many times I just felt like giving up because At the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to be with him. <laughs> like, why am no. I having these conversations? Or just automatically assuming that maybe he's never going to get it. Because I think that is the that is the stigma is that, you know, we just don't feel like talking about it. It's uncomfortable. We have to really push through the conversation and answer hard questions. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt that there was so much purpose in us having these conversations because if we... I realized that he was around a ton of black people, but those black friends did not talk to him about mm. any of the stuff that he would say. There would be things he would say or how he would think and nobody would question or nobody would say, you know, nobody would mention that. Okay, dude, you can't, you know, you can't say that. Okay, no, we need to talk about this. Nobody would say that. So I would be the only person saying it. And if I'm the only person that's saying it, then Brian would beg the question, well, are you, are you just being sensitive? Mm. Like, are you just being, cause I've never heard this from anyone else. Right, you know, right, right. right. No one else has told me these things, but it was that, I don't know if it was a fear of confrontation or if it was just, I just don't want to deal with that conversation with Brian. I don't know what it was that led to that, but you know, it, it was challenging. And I would even say I have talked to a number of interethnic relationships where they don't have these conversations about race. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that's the majority, but there's a number of them that don't have the conversation because 
they're either either they don't make it a big deal yeah. or or whatnot. But I think if if we are saying that it's important to us and that's mm-hmm. a big component, a pillar of who we are and our identity and all of these other components that mix into our culture, et cetera, then we're gonna have these conversations. And when you dig deep into the mindsets and stereotypes and mentalities and thought processes behind how we put information together, that's when you uncover things and that's when it becomes tough. Mm, it's so true. So I love how you guys just like kind of lay that out. It's it's really easy. And I think we live in a culture right now where it's like, nah, don't really want to go into the uncomfortable. You know, I'm kind of safe in my little right. bubble here. I'm good. Like I feel understood. Um, you know, it's, it's all, it's your bubble of comfort, you know? And I exactly. sometimes am challenged by that myself living in, Santa Monica. And, you know, I go to church where a lot of people look like me. And for me, a big thing that God did in my life last year was like, Hey, Kate, why are you never going outside this bubble? Why are you never, why don't you have friends that are a little more diverse? (laughs) Um, and you know, like kind of like it's comfortable up in this bubble, but like, why don't I have that many non-Christian friends just as one example? And why don't I have that many friends of other races? And why don't, why don't I like volunteer at a prison? (laughs) Like, because am I afraid? Like, what is it? You know? And there was like this challenging in my spirit of like, oh, I don't really like just, it feels comfortable, but it's actually kind of boring and one-sided, you know? And I'm, I want to live a life of gaining perspective. And I think when we come to dating, it's really, it's really easy to have a very siloed picture of like, I want someone who exactly looks like this down to the fact of like somebody who shares your exact same lifestyle, which could also yeah. mean the same exact, you know, you know, racial upbringing, right? Because there's right. cultural differences. And so I guess like, you know, for you guys, I'm first of all, really impressed by how you guys just dove into those conversations and continue to endure through them, even though a lot of people wouldn't do that. Um, I guess just a follow up question to that would be how what do you think are some like ingredients of just having conversations? You know, if people are dating interracially or trying to dive into that, like what can make those conversations feel safe and what are kind of maybe the questions to ask, you know, because if people are sitting here being like, yeah, maybe I am Caucasian and maybe I would be open to dating African-American person. I just don't know what kind of questions to ask, you know, or how to approach that in a loving, open-minded way. I'm curious what, like what helped or what worked for you guys, what you would say to that. I would say the biggest thing is being open to having a conversation is the first thing. Yeah. And knowing what you're about to get into, because if you're if you don't know what you're about to get into when it comes to having a conversation, you're going to think that it's easy. These conversations are difficult. They're hard. Mm. And if you're willing to write it out, then it can end well. And also, I would say another thing is being open to hearing because sometimes we are stuck in our own place and our own thoughts that we're not open to hearing another person's thoughts. You kind of already go into the conversation thinking that you're right. Right. Just hear people out, ask questions, see where the root of the, of the issue is, see where the root of their thought is, and then work, work from there. Mm. Because I think, especially when it comes to politics and uh, racial quote unquote racial issues, we kind of go in like, oh, I know this. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know what I'm talking about. Right. So going into the conversation saying, I'm just trying to hear you out mm. and I'm, I'm willing to understand. Let's not make this an argument. Let's make this a conversation. And we both have that agreement. Then we can continue forward. Mm. Yeah. And I, I would say that for me, it was almost a point of, of deep sadness when we were having some of the conversations we were having. Mm. And I'll, I'll definitely even call a few of them arguments. So. Yes, we sometimes it <laughs> um, did not end well. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, so I would say that it almost became disheartening because I knew that Lexi's heart was to understand and to, to grow and be better. And I knew my heart was to truly try to understand and grow and be better. And I was like, if the two of us, two very willing people to work through this, who love one mm. another and can't work through these racial issues, what hope do we have for those who aren't maybe thinking that way right. and maybe yeah. don't have that level of mindset? And I, I almost just refused personally to not be able to overcome that. I, it was like a personal challenge. I'm like, we have to 
learn how to have these conversations. We have to be able to grow Mm -hmm. on behalf of our cultures coming together as a whole. So I think my my key ingredients when it came to those conversations and having healthy conversations was number one, am I, I had to ask myself, am I willing to admit that I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to say that everything that I have believed could be inaccurate? And if I'm not, then it's not worth having the conversation. Mm-hmm. We're just wasting mm-hmm. breath at that point. Yeah. And I think that goes a lot more than just race. It's a lot of things in general with relationships and communication across the board. Right. But I had to come to that understanding. Am I willing to say that I am not African-American, so I may not know what it's like to be African-American. And all of my preconceptions may be off. Mm. And then once you have come to that place, and like Lexi said, you just have open dialogue, not to prove a point, Mm. but to understand. When it becomes about empathizing, Mm -hmm. then that's where you grow. That's Mm. where you actually learn is when you're open and you say, I see there is a struggle and I don't understand that struggle. Help me understand what life looks like through your eyes mm-hmm. on both sides. Yep. Um, so I think that's where, that's where you have those healthy conversations. Yeah. Because you're, you're really, if you think about it, of someone, and this is with anything that they have had instilled in their minds mm-hmm. or since they were born and you're literally attacking that. It's going, there's going to be some attack in the conversation. Right. There's going to be some defense because you're literally, yeah, you're literally trying to question everything that they thought they knew for such a long period of time. It's almost a part of their being and you're attacking it and not even in, and not attacking it in like a fight. Like I'm telling you this, sometimes it did end up like that, (laughs) but um, that's just the truth. And we had to learn how to have better conversations, but Anything that's like that, there's going to be some defense mm-hmm. because you've known this for so long and you're telling me to let this go. Yeah. That's difficult. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, it's almost as if a lot of, if I look at a lot of white people and how they respond to quote unquote being called racist or ha- having someone say that something they did was racist, mm-hmm. in their minds, they've already told themselves, I cannot be racist. And so everything else, every other piece of information or data that comes to them, goes through that filter of, I cannot possibly be racist. And so then they take that information, mm-hmm. it goes through their filter, and then they justify why it happened mm-hmm. or why they thought that mm-hmm. or what the reason was behind it, never allowing themselves to think that maybe I'm looking through a very stereotypical lens. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am profiling this situation. Right. Maybe I am. But they don't allow themselves to even go there mentally because they've already filtered out the information under the lens of, I cannot possibly be this way. Right. And so we never actually get to the root of what's going on in someone's psyche. Right. Like there's potentially stigmas that I've built up in there, but they're unaware of them because it's like, I'm, I'm not racist. So I, so I, so this, what I said or what I did or this judgment or whatever was, couldn't have possibly been racist. That's so fascinating. That's so good. I love, because even what you guys are saying, I mean, you, you kind of nodded at this too, Brian, but like so much of like how you guys were able to have this conversation, if we're not willing to do this, I mean, it, these are tools that are needed even just to understand basic communication differences between people, you know, help me to understand why you don't receive love in this way. You know, like for me, it's a big shock when somebody doesn't need a lot of affirmation. I'm an affirmation person. And when, you know, when they don't don't give it, yeah, right. (laughs) When, When they don't give it to me, I'm like, wait, how, how can you not be giving this? Like, isn't that how you receive so much life and love? Like, I don't understand, you know, like, and, you know, so we have to like, and the Enneagram personally, just as a side note, has helped me a lot and all these different tools to understand, oh, that's how I uniquely see the world because of my unique upbringing, how my, how I was uniquely formed. And I can't bucket the fact that I see, you know, a sunset this specific way and maybe somebody else sees it or feels something completely different based on their life experiences. And so it's helped me to be like, oh, just in the basic level of human differences and without race, you know, then we go down into these other layers of like, oh, you know, when we can open our minds to like, oh, it's cool and really awesome. And it's more than cool. It's really beautiful to be able to say, yeah, I see it this way, but it's really unique and interesting to say, 
but that's only one level and one layer of how the world can be seen. And so what would it look like if I tried to learn how somebody else maybe sees things, right? right? And so I love that. I love that, you guys. Okay, friends, I just want to take a quick break in our amazing episode today to share with you our incredible sponsor for this episode. This episode is brought to you by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence. One of my favorite ways that Denison Ministries is helping Christians feel closer to God is through their First 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotionals, scripture, worship, and prayer. Now, we always talk about how singleness and dating is the perfect season to grow closer to God, right? I mean, it really is. We can't waste this time. We have to make the most of every moment that we have. We really do. The additional time that we have now needs to be spent growing closer to God as much as we possibly can. So if you hear me saying that right now and you're like, yeah, Kate, that's great and all, but I am busy, friend. Well, I hear you. I am also busy at doing awesome things as I'm sure you're doing too. But here's a deal. Can you not at least spend 15 minutes a day studying and being with God? I mean, that is at least a priority we should be making in our life right now. So friend, I want to encourage you to sign up for the first 15 email devotional that can be sent directly to your inbox at first15.org forward slash subscribe. Or you can even start your day off with the first 15 devotional podcast and listen to that anywhere that's convenient for you. Join me in doing this simple but really, really impactful discipline so we can together really begin pressing into knowing God in a bigger and better way in our singleness. So another just kind of diving in a little deeper. So there's a lot of stereotypes that potentially may you guys have maybe had to face just you know, and overcome and combat specifically as an, an inter-ethnic couple. So do you just maybe walk us through what some of those look like and how you dealt with some of those stereotypes that maybe came up? This is where it gets fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do I start with me? <laughs> um, but there has been so many stereotypes. There's been the fact that I wanted, you know, I specifically wanted to be with the white man. Yeah. Also, because I'm with a white man, I am very passive. I'm very quiet. Wow. <sighs> That's not me at all. <laughs> oh, God, no. oh, this is another one. I wanted stability in my life because, you know, white men have like great jobs and good credit. Uh-huh. And, you know, they, uh, you know, I will be able to be taken care of all of my life. You know, just those are, I would say those are the main stereotypes wow. that I've experienced which is so ridiculous because that's not the case at all. But it's also sad because there has been black women that have come to me and asked me like, I want to be with a white man. How do I get this? I'm like, what? (laughs) I do. Yeah. You're not with me because I'm white. You're not searching for a white man. You're not looking for anything. We we fell in love because of the people we are. We ha- yes. happen to be white and, and black. Right. And the crazy thing is, I think people assume that I've always been with a white man, which is Brian, I think, maybe not my first white person that I've dated, yeah. but I've never, but I've dated all different types of ethnicities and cultures. I've ne- I've I've never been that person that's just like, I just want to stay here. Yeah. So and then also when it came when it comes to you know, stability. I think people sometimes think I'm a gold digger. I'm like, that's not, that's not who I am. They're like, I'm crazy enough. Yeah, Lexi was with me when I was driving a beat up minivan and working at a yogurt shop. So that, yeah. that's definitely not the truth. And I was working two jobs and full time school and part time internship and helping him with money. So it's just so interesting that people yeah, have those. Helped, yeah, we helped each other out from ground zero. So yeah, but um. I think for me, honestly, there's there's the the stereotype that I have a fetish for an African American woman because they're exotic or they're you know uh, I don't know what the other term would be, but it, it's something that's like appealing about black skin or you know O'Brien oh, just likes black girls or you know like I'm attracted to just one race. Right. Um, I think the other big one was that I oh it's because I'm with a black woman that I must act black, you know, so I must talk or dress or be, you know, trying to be one of them. 
So I think there was a lot of stereotypes around that. And it just it couldn't be farther from the truth because we've, Lexi and I have talked about this so many times, and we, we've dated every every race out there, like individually <laughs> between the two of us. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, not, not, not to that extent, but like we, we don't see it from that perspective. We're not looking for a race that we want to be with or an ethnicity we want to be with. We're, we're looking for the person we want to be with. Yes. And whatever culture comes with that, then that's just beautiful. That's, that's a cherry on top. That's whatever God is doing through that. That's amazing. But that's not what we were going for. And we're not fitting a stereotype of how our relationship is supposed to look or what the dynamic looks like. Lexi is the most passionate and, you know, excitable, energetic, creative person I know. <laughs> and, you know, me being passive, that that's a hilarious joke. So yeah, <laughs> we don't fit the mold. Yeah. And I think the biggest way that we combat mm-hmm. it is us talking about it yeah. more. Right. And that because we can be silent, we cannot share about our, you know, we cannot share our experiences, but we choose to to share more about what the stereotype looks like, yeah. how we manage to change that in our future, how we, how we aren't like it now. And, and I also think the biggest, the biggest thing is talking to other people about our race, yeah. because if we just stayed in the confines of our, our culture and our community, then we wouldn't be able to have these types of conversations mm about no that's actually not us at all it's not oh oh and i would think the biggest thing and i didn't even write this i, I had like my thoughts about this i didn't even write this down is that we see no color mm. oh god yeah interesting yeah like oh i hate when people say that mm. <laughs> because real like to say you see no color is to me is to say that you see no culture mm. to, to us yeah. it would mean that oh we just you know believe that we just you know, we're all the same and that's not the case. It's, I, I, I love Brian for who he is, but part of that is because I do see his color. Mm. I do see that we are different. I do see that we are different cultures. That's the big, that, that is so important to us that we recognize each other's cultures and we're knowing how to mesh in and fit into, uh, in, fit into this marriage and this relationship together. Mm. Yeah. I think when people say they see no color, they're inadvertently saying that they're not that they're they're not showing an appreciation for the culture right and and that it's all one and they're they're discounting the the culture which Mm -hmm. cultures are beautiful yeah cultures and ethnicities and everything that comes with that is rich and and god did that on purpose there was intention behind god doing that so I look at it as we should have an appreciation for the cultures that we are a part of and, and the backgrounds and the histories that go into that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we are passionate about that as well as like, don't, don't pretend like we don't see what we are. Right. Yeah. We appreciate what we are. Yeah. yeah we have, and, and I think that causes even more of a divide crazy enough because if we see no color, then we're not going to talk about it. Right. And then we just pretend that everything's happy go lucky. Yeah. It's like, it goes back to like avoiding the issues or really recognizing that that's a unique part of that person's identity. Like I, you know, outside of, again, just bringing it to a broader spectrum, but it's like, if I pretended that somebody doesn't have, didn't have a, an abusive relationship in their life. And I'm just like, you know, I don't care about that. I see you as you are today, which is true. Like I do see you as you are today, but I want to see you with all of that. I want to know those details about you. And I want to learn to love your entire story, you know, and I won't judge you on those parts of your story. That's the key part of it. But to pretend like that didn't exist in your life or that didn't happen in your life or that isn't a part of your story would be to like falsely or just to not fully receive the person as they are, you know, it'd be kind of like, yeah. So I think that's a really good point. Like to say we see no color, it's like to discount the entire culture and history and the beauty of the mosaic that God has created, which is so many different unique people on this in the world, including, you know, different races. And so, yeah, I think, I think people's intention probably isn't to do that when they say, oh, seat, no color, you know, but, um, I, I love that you bring that up because it's actually, I completely agree. Like it's not a great statement. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Um, so another thing that I just want to bring up too, and 
um, is kind of, so as you guys are like figuring out these issues between each other and having these conversations and fighting against these stereotypes, then, you know, you kind of bring in the fact like, Hey, mom and dad, I'm dating this person of a different race. Um, and so I'm so curious because I think, I think that there's a lot of pain around this for some people who, you know, maybe I could figure it out between each other, but then sometimes it's hard for them to like really be able to integrate that with the family. So I'd love to talk a little bit about family dynamics. How did your families handle the news that y'all were dating? And maybe also talk about some of the challenges, if there were any, that you guys kind of had to overcome within that. I'll start with my family. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my family loved Brian from the beginning. They are, you know, at, at this point, if me and Brian have differences, they almost always choose Brian's side because they <laughs> they love him. Wow. I think sometimes they love him more than me. Um, <laughs> but I think, honestly, the, the beginning of our relationship, as I said, they fell in love with him. I would say the biggest issue that we've had is just correcting small jokes mm. of, you know, oh, you know how white people are. You know how this, you know, oh, that's white people and stuff like that. We would have to correct, like, no, all white people aren't like this. We can't say all white people because Brian's not like this. So we just have to be mindful of of what we say and why we Mm -hmm. say it. But I think that was probably the biggest issue over here. Yeah, there weren't, there really weren't uh, many issues with her family at all. Um, I thought they were very, very sensitive, very aware. Um, you know, I think if just little comments, um, of thinking like, Oh man, Brian's black, you know, like, well, we had to even correct that because again, that it was like, well, no, I'm not black. I'm white. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't act anything different than just who I am yeah. so that I understand or maybe empathize more than most, but like not making it a bad thing to be white, not right. you know, yes. demonizing whiteness. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. because we use that term for as a word of endearment, like, oh, she, oh. She's cool. She's, she's black. cool. She she's black. Oh, <laughs> she's not really white. She's black. And it's like, no. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we think about our children hearing stuff like that. We have to correct and say, that no, like, he, yeah, it would be confusing. Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, that's on good. my side, on my side, I mean, same, like Lexi's the daughter they never had. Um, <laughs> we're, we're very, we'll just say this. We're very blessed with our families. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we, they have done a lot for us. They've been here to support us in so many different ways. But I would say with, uh, with my side, they love her like a, like a, their own daughter that was not the issue. The issue was pretty much very identical to my path with with the, mm-hmm. the whole racial struggle yeah. um, of just, are you willing to admit that things that you've thought all these years are wrong? Are you? I mean, it's that whole conversation yeah. that I went through, we had to go through as a family. The mm-hmm. only trouble with that is Lexi and I had very, very uh, devoted time together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we were with each other all the time so we could have these conversations in a more expedited way than my family, which would see her every now and then. So maybe their progression through understanding certain things was uh, a little slower. Yeah, I had kind of the crash course being with her all the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I just believe that that was a struggle um, of, of just understanding and empathizing. But again, they were the same background as I was being in an African-American church and all of that. So they understood certain things, but not everything. And I think we had to go through that similar process. And that became hard on Lexi because not only has she had to deal with that with our relationship, now she has to champion that conversation across multiple people. Right. And that was hard. It becomes hard. Yeah. It becomes hard because now you're dealing with a room of, let's say, four or five people that all think very similarly, but different than you. And you have to be the sole defender or the sole mm. person to champion a, a mindset or a principle that becomes a heavy burden yeah. after a, a longer period of time. But yeah. I can successfully say that I think the place where our families are in today is just leaps and bounds from where we started when we were first dating. It's incredible the transformation of just mentalities and thought processes on, on my side. Yeah. And I think, and we're talking about more so immediate family. Extended family is a different story when it comes to. We don't have Brian. time for extended family <laughs> stories. That was, that uh, yeah. Extended family is a different story when it comes to Brian's side of the family. Um, there were some really rough moments. We'll just put yeah. And we're, we're not fully connected with mm. them. Yeah. Um, setting the boundaries. Yeah. I would. <laughs> Yeah, you have to set you have to set boundaries. But I also think one of the main things that we learned 
with Brian's family was how to protect me in certain situations when it comes to just now that you know, and now that you understand, you have to kind of be a defender and an advocate as well. Yeah. So if something in a restaurant and you see, and you, you know, you hear somebody say something about me, I would like you to also stand up yes. and speak out Yep. and don't just let it bypass you. So, and that's with family, that's with friends, that's with everything. And they had to, while after learning all of the things that they may not have known, you also have to go into, okay, well now I should be speaking up against these things. And I'm not telling you to be like a protester, but in small cases where I'm around you and somebody says something on the sly about black people, then you should also stand up. Yes, that's good. That's awesome. It's like through your relationship, you're like, helping to champion and like whether it's dating or friendships like this is the way we can culturally start changing things by getting curious right. and then you know taking what we've learned to then like you know n- not stand for when we see it happening outside of our bubble you know it's like okay it's one yeah. thing to learn and grow in your own understanding and then it's another thing to actually act that in daily life right and i love that i love that you you're like okay you guys are understanding this between our relationship but now it's like take it and continue to practice what you've just learned with the cultural things that you see happening. That's so good. Um, Another thing just within that, like, what about your family's meeting? How, was that okay? Like, are they, do they get along? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our, our families love each other. I mean, we, we all get together for Christmases and birthdays and like, it's been a lot of cohesiveness. Um, It's been fun. Like, like to the to the point where my brothers are all cool with her brothers and oh, like our moms it. talk and like it, it's it's great. I mean, we we even go as far. Lexi always talks about how the, like it's it's the point where my brothers will hang out with her brother's wife. Like oh it's, my gosh, it, it's like we we just believe in family so so deep yeah. and it's not it's not everyone's story. You hear people talking about their mother in laws. Yeah, I was just gonna say like my mother, yeah. my. I don't even like to call her my mother-in-law because she's, mother I consider, love. oh, I hate, I don't like that one either. That's weird. <laughs> I think it's weird. But I like just calling her mom because she's legit a mom and she's, um, she's a pastor at our church as well. And I consider her like a spiritual mother to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy because a lot of people have different types of relationships with their mother, quote unquote, mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And Every time I share my story about how, like, I'm when I say I'm really close with Brian's mom, I'm really close. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a great relationship, and Brian is really close with my mom. He has a great relationship, and people are just shocked because that's not the, you know, that's not the norm apparently. Right, right. Or uh, especially when it comes to daughter and mother-in-laws, it seems like there is just a negative connotation of that. And I, it is not like that at all. I, right now, we are actually. We share a rental property because we're both we're both building houses and we're building them right next to each other. Oh my gosh! That's yeah, so, so cool. we're in a rental property right now, and I love it. Like I love being around them. Yeah, that's so. And good. it doesn't mean that we've haven't had conversations, and my family's had to have conversations with their family. Like it doesn't mean that that hasn't happened, but that is so small compared to how much they you know they have grown together and they love each other and care for each other. And yeah. we and we know that's not everyone's story, so we yeah. are just grateful for our story not having to be the one that we have to overcome that specific issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have to deal with a whole lot of other ones, so to have the family support us is, yeah. has just been a huge blessing. I want to also wonder and ask you guys, like, what you would say for people, you know, that are trying to really figure out these inter racial issues between their relationship, but then adding the family to the mix who, where their families don't support it or one or both of them, you know, like just curious what advice or encouragement you would give. Cause it's such a testimony to hear how your families have handled it. But what would you say if you could imagine what it would be like if they didn't like, cause I know that's a lot of people's stories where it's like, Oh, I am dealing with those issues or we are, you know, having these conversations, but then we're introducing that, uh, that significant other to our family and they're not being accepted. You know? Yeah. I, well, I will say this. I'm, we're so fortunate that Brian's family, especially, especially, especially mm-hmm. his mom and dad, I can't even describe to you how open and mm-hmm. willing they have been to understanding my culture, understanding mm-hmm. who I am and just understanding the differences of, of 
our ethnicities, they have been so open. It, there was a there was a point where we were talking about it a lot and we didn't see eye to eye at one point. And there was just a boundary where Brian had to say like, look, we are going to stay over here for a little bit just so y'all could figure some things out. And they were distraught. Mm. Like they were genuinely distraught because they didn't want that divide. And they were willing to do anything wow. to work yeah. through it. And that is and that is such a willingness to change. That's such a that was such an eye opener for me because I know a lot of families aren't like that. Some families would just say, you know, bye. All right. Well, it is what it is. This is what I believe, and you're right. wrong. They were not like that at all. Yeah. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. But for your question, I would say the biggest thing for me was just being willing to understand the difference between hate and ignorance. Mm. some people just it it is literally a lack of knowledge and it's okay be open and almost just be willing to go into the fire because they are those people whoever you choose to have these conversations for are worth it Mm. I had to constantly remind myself that these people are worth it they're worth having the conversation they're worth fighting for and they are also still willing they're not giving up on me so let me not give up on them on mm. when it comes to these conversations. At the same time, I, I also, <laughs> I think we have to also be careful because when you're married, you are one. And yeah. so you have to be very, very cautious of making sure that no one ever gets in between you. Yeah. And family has a tendency of doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you know, the Bible talks about what, what uh, God put together, no man can split asunder and, yeah. you know, cleave to your, to your spouse and leave your parents. Like th- that, that is a very real principle of, mm-hmm. of oneness and unity and not yes. letting anything break you apart. So while we give people opportunities to grow, while we, we spend time with them because they're worth fighting for, there is a delicate balance that you have to be careful about so if you see that that family dynamic is breaking the two of you apart or mm-hmm. it's splitting you two and it's dividing that, you need to put your marriage above anything, right. uh, above anything, because having a destroyed marriage can destroy your story and your testimony, your impact in so many other areas of life that you don't become purposeful to the extent that God intended you to. Mm, and absolutely. so I just truly believe that you have to make sure that you are together on whatever it is. Mm. And if if the family dynamic is taking such a toll that it's destroying your spouse mm. and it's bringing them to their knees, you have to be willing to step back to support and and build that person up. And maybe that's just for a season. Yeah. Maybe that's for longer. I don't know. And this is coming from someone who has had to separate from extended family. Mm. There are a number of people in my life that I have spent time with growing up that I have had to separate because they were destroying Lexi mm. time and time again. Yeah. And I couldn't stand by as a husband and not step in and defend and make sure that she was okay right. first and foremost. And we've tried to we've tried to repair. We've tried to do those things. We tried to have conversations. It was ineffective. Mm. So at that point, I can't take on a false burden of I have to fix this. We have to be okay. Yeah. She's my priority. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a tough balance. It really is. If if you don't have that dynamic that we have been blessed to have with immediate family, it becomes very difficult. But that that's what I would say. Yeah. And I, I would also say one more thing when it comes to that is when I mean that you have to know if they're worth it, that doesn't mean all family is worth it. <laughs> yeah. Because when Brian would talk when like some of the things that Brian shared when it came to extended family it was literally like they would be taught, they would say things behind our backs or they would say things that were, you know, semi-racist. Oh, now there's no such thing. It was racist. (laughs) And I would say like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to go up there. Like, I don't want to go up there anymore. And Brian wouldn't even let it get to the point where it would break us. Mm. Like Brian wouldn't even get to the point where it would crack. We would give a little crack. Like he was very, and that's why I appreciate him so much because He's at this place where it's like, no, we we're cutting it before it even gets to that point. Yeah, and he, he is, and he's the one who's protecting. It's not me standing up, because honestly, the truth is, is that if I say stuff something, it's almost like, oh, okay, it's just another black person talking about race. Like, no, he's the one that's speaking out. Yeah. He's the one that's saying, no, we're not doing this. And it's not because, oh, your wife is saying that. No, I'm saying that. Yep. 
And he's always been very strong with anybody that could be immediate or extended family. He's always been a protector when it so comes to So good. That. That's such a beautiful picture. I think just of, yeah, like you guys were saying, and like Brian, you were quoting scripture, like, yeah, like you leave your mother and your, your father and you become one. And so part of that is like in the oneness, once you choose that, like where are your priorities in, in making sure that you guys stay one together? Okay. I think in dating, it is really important important to make sure that you guys are equipped for that. If you're having issues with your family, it's like, you know, and especially, I mean, I can imagine how much more difficult it is for people who wear their immediate family, where it's like where the situation with you guys were was with extended family. A lot of people are dealing with that with immediate family, which could feel so much more just, you know, violating and confusing because you're, you love, you love all your family, but your immediate family has, you know, been there for you your whole life very specifically. And so, you know, figuring out, you know, discerning and having people, that's where I think personally, like having people in your life that can also speak to like, and are we making a wise decision? Are we, is this a good unit together? Like, and if we feel yes, mm-hmm. like we feel the yeah. spirit saying continuously, yes. And that's being confirmed. Then like, there's a point where you have to make a decision of like, all right, even if this is uncomfortable and even if I have to set boundaries, I'm going, I'm choosing this. And I feel completely spot on in my yeah. spirit to do that. And are we ready to like fight for each other within this, you know? And I do, I real quick, I do think it's important that family should talk to family. Like if you have a wife and you're the husband and the husband's family is acting, you know, racist or whatever, then the husband should be the person speaking out and saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're not, we're cutting the conversation because it's almost, it's not like the wife is just out there on her own. It's like, no, I'm speaking for her. I think you should, you know, so I think that's really important. If you're going to have a conversation, if you're going to set boundaries, then it should start with, no, we're not going to say this. If it's the wife's family, no, we're not going to talk like that out of protection of each other. So good, you guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. We could talk about so many other things, but um, I feel like, (laughs) gosh, we could, it's already been 52 minutes. I'm like, gosh, we have so many other things, but um, I love (laughs) y'all. I'm so inspired. I feel like I'm so grateful. We're finally having this conversation on the podcast and I'm just, I'm excited because I think that your relationship is such an example for Christians and how, and also just, you know, for in our culture of like how we can better have these conversations, not be afraid of them. And, and also not ha- be so narrow-minded, you know, like I talk to people all the time about Amen. like, you know, <laughs> it's okay to have like the core things you're looking for, but like that really shouldn't include race. Okay, people. And to me, even like within that, it shouldn't include like even that many physical attributes either. Like you have to be attracted to the person, but like, yeah. you know, let's not make this specific ultra list of like to fit someone very specifically mm-hmm. into our lifestyle and our life. Like God is so much bigger than that. And let's allow ourselves to be open to what he might do. And I think that that's why I'm such a fan of interracial dating. I have many friends like who actually are interracial couples. And so anyway, love you guys. I want to ask you our final question that we ask everybody on the podcast, which is what is your final nugget of dating advice today for the listeners? Well, I think me and Brian have different (laughs) ones. Go for it. (laughs) But I would say one of the things that we have, it's been our quote since one day since we were dating and we have it in different places all around, whether it's through notes or through our phone, whatever. And that is the willingness to change. Usually when people think of change, they say like, Oh, I can't change a man. I can't, you know, change her. I can't change him. But we have made a commitment that I am personally going to make Mm. a commitment to change. That's my decision. And this is his decision that he's made a commitment to personally change. That doesn't mean like change your being, but it means that I'm I'm going to grow as the seasons change. I'm going to make effort and see like, okay, this wasn't good. This isn't healthy for our relationship. So let me work on this. Let me get better so I can be a better person. I can be a better man. I can be a better wife. I can, you know, be a better friend, whatever that is. It's a willingness to change in our relationship and help us to grow and we can stay on the same level. So it, it, I don't ever want it to be where Brian's all the way up here and I'm all the way down here because I'm refusing to change. Um, and there's always that uh, quote that people say, it's like, <laughs> I am who I am and I'm never going to, I'm you never going to, you know who you married. 
And I never liked that because I can always be, I can always get better. If it's unhealthy, if it's not, if it's not fruitful in the relationship, then why not make an effort to change and realizing that ourselves. So that would be my, my biggest. Hallelujah, um, girl. I mean, that is like on the top of my list. (laughs) I'm like, are you a growth minded person? You know, like, how are you seeking yeah, to grow in your everyday life right now? Because if you're not doing that, I don't know. I don't have confidence that you're going to do that in a relationship. So exactly, that is so real. I think mine is, um, you know, to be fair, willingness to change is yeah, both part, so good. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to kick you up on that. No, but I think also things that I've had to personally develop in and continue to develop in today um, is the whole communication, which is such a broad topic. But I'm going to narrow it down a little bit is um, when we're having conversations, especially tough conversations, it's so important to go in with the mindset that I am going to listen and I am going to properly interpret. And when I say that, I mean, there are so many conversations that Lexi and I had that turned into debates, that turned into arguments when we were dating because we didn't properly interpret what the other person was saying. Mm -hmm. And we hear what they said, but we, we, again, I talk about filters. We all have filters in our lives that have been built up from previous experiences and life circumstances and mindsets and mentalities. And those have been pretty solidified and ingrained into how we think. So when I hear her say one thing, it goes through my filter. By the time it gets to me, I'm thinking she's saying something different Mm -hmm. than what she's meaning. And so if we then proceed to have a conversation, a difficult one with a, a misaligned understanding of what we're even talking about, then we're having two different conversations. It's not even one conversation. So if we're on two different conversations, there's no possibility for yeah. resolution and, and solutions that can be presented in that conversation. So what we learned, um, you know, and how we communicate through, you know, her mom's a counselor. We've actually gone to counseling a number of times just to be proactive with our relationship. So, so good. Uh, we're big advocates Same. of that yes. as being better. So I think things that like tools that we learned with that is if she says something that makes me feel negative, then it's my job to not just lash out out of emotion from that feeling, but to rather go back to her and say, okay, I heard you say this and it's, yep. this is how it made me feel. Am I misinterpreting or are you yes. actually saying that? Right? So she said the comment, I have to say, what were you intending to say? What was the purpose behind that? What was the, mm. the meaning behind it? And then that gives her an opportunity to clarify, oh, no, 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 right. that's not what I was saying at all. That's not even close to what I was saying. We just saved ourselves a half hour of <laughs> if not an hour. <laughs> we did debate by me simply asking a question of what yes. did you mean by that mm-hmm. as opposed to jumping the gun. So for me, that simple dynamic of communication uh, has really helped us yes. grow with that and be able to come together. So good. Seeking to understand. And I think it's so good that I want all the single people to take notes on all the things because it's really easy <laughs> to not do these things in your non-single life. Like, I mean, when you are dating, it brings up a certain level of vulnerability and communication issues that don't typically arise as quite as often in just friendship relationships. And so it's like, okay, everyone, we're really just because that person like we create so many stories in our own minds. Like what you're talking about, Brian, it's been a huge issue for me that drives me into anxiety when I've just misinterpreted somebody's intention because of my own past triggers and my own whatever's, you know? And so actually saying like, Hey, this is what I heard. This is how it made me feel. Is there any truth to that has been such a game changer in my life to and also helped me save me from so much anxiety and unnecessary inner turmoil and downward spiraling, you know? And I feel like even within the beginning stages of dating, we have to do that. Like, hey, didn't hear from you for a few days. Like, can you help me understand? Because we like to just jump to conclusions of what those things mean. So good, you guys. I love it. Okay. If people want to connect with you on the gram or on YouTube, how do they find you guys um you can find us on youtube just search in the coal life okay and our instagram handle is underscore the coal life underscore awesome yay thank you thank so much you. for having us thank on you so here. much this was so You're much amazing. fun i love talking to you. <laughs> i love talking to you guys we're gonna have to hang out in real life where what city do you live in i need to know that 
We are in Michigan and we are in Metro Detroit area. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Some point, I don't make it out there very often, but I, I would love to Understood. And if you're ever in LA, you got to let me know. We got to be real life friends, but at least we're virtual friends. Yes. I'm so excited. Fully support all that you do. And just really thank you guys for being a beacon of light in the area of marriage, dating, all the things, like using your situations to really be encouraging to others. I'm just so thankful for that. So it's awesome to just get to know you guys. And thanks for all your wisdom and sharing with us today. Thank you again for having us. We appreciate it so much. Our pleasure. Bye, you guys. Guys, oh my gosh, how raw and real and amazing were Brian and Lexi today, right? They're just so good and I love their perspective to really seek to understand more about one another in interracial relationships. Let's truly do our best to not be defensive or reactionary or dismissive and instead truly seek to see where does that person come from? Which, you know what, in general, this is just a good rule of thumb for us overall. And here's the thing, if there are people in your life giving you a hard time about your interracial relationship, set boundaries with them. We train people how to treat us in a way. So if you're not okay with how someone is treating you or accepting you, then you have full permission to set boundaries in that area, even with family. I truly think that in this journey of dating, we have to challenge ourselves to not be afraid of the uncomfortable and fight to seek to understand and grow in perspective and set boundaries when we need to. All right, guys, I love you and I will see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.